0: Thank you so much. Thank you. I am uh, I'm humbled. I'm honored. I'm blessed. Um, there has been such a sense of hospitality and, and just being so kind and reaching out and making us feel welcome. Uh, Ambassadors football. Uh, we we are not afraid to take risks uh, because we know that you know when you take a risk, it's it's costly, it's dangerous, but it's worth it because of souls because of needy people, and because we honor God that way. And so we're, we normally would have more lead time coming in. We're believing that God can do this, and we do ask you to pray about this. And even, even if the, the, what you do is prayer, we want that. We want that for youth, for Christ and their ministry, and for ambassadors. I'm so excited to have the meeting we had. i just briefly say this. It was like two or three organizations getting together to talk. And I really believe God works when there's unity in the body of Christ. We're not just getting territorial, you know, we're not just getting in our own area, and I really sense that with Brock and his team and the people there and the team here, and I'm excited about that, and I want that too. So today I wanna to bring a little bit from the Word of God. I'm hoping it'll be a, a challenge to you and a challenge to me, it's a simple message, but I also want it to be a challenge for us to go out to look for our opportunities for this. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the ball briefly, going to talk about the scriptures and dig into the scriptures a little, and then I'm going to talk about a guy uh, named Bob. And so I'm going to just pray very briefly. Let's go to our Father in heaven. Lord, we thank you that we can indeed look to you. It's all about you. It's not about our programs. It's not about our agendas, Father. It really is all about you. We pray, Father in heaven, that in that, Lord, we would find our place. Your word says that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which you prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You prepared works for us to walk in beforehand, Lord. Help us to find our place in that, and in that, Lord, know how you bring us completion and fullness of joy. So we look to you this morning, Father. Let our hearts be opened. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, a soccer ball, it's just a ball. It's leather, it's round. Professional players use uh, number five, it's called, for the ball, and it's got its diameter, it's got a circumference, and it's, it's what it is. It's just a tool. It's filled with air, it's made of leather, and yet this ball goes all around the world. This ball has opened doors for us to be able to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. We've been in prisons, we've been in orphanages, we've worked with clubs around the world. Soccer, football, is such an amazing cultural phenomena around the world. The World Cup is the largest sporting event and the most watched sporting event in the world. So you have soccer, football, called in most other countries it's called football. And again, it makes sense, because you have a foot and you have a ball Football, that may sound elementary, but as you know, I'm from the States, and we call something football, and that looks more like an egg that you throw. Why we call it football, I don't even know, but I like American football and worldwide football. It's kinda where we're at. And you might not at all be into sports. You might not be at all into soccer. But I'm getting the feel from your church, from your pastor, from you, that you're into Christ. And that you're into people getting answers and finding the way. And that's why we do what we do, okay? Ambassadors, we take the ball and use the Bible to bring hope and transformation to broken lives. A few pictures coming up, and, and just real briefly with this, we have a couple of these representatives come up in a second here. A, a couple of prisons we work in, the ones in the top left, Dreckenstein Prison. Um, where there's just been a lot of chaos there, rapists, murderers, and, and thieves and the likes of that, where Nelson Mandela was held for many years. Below that is a prison in Chile, where there is a futsal court, and we were there one time, and we had to leave quickly because the guards noted that there would soon be a riot that indeed began to happen. The ball, with God's blessing, of course, opens doors, We will be on sandy pitches or rather football fields that, you know, there aren't necessarily, there's not grass or what have you, but we'll just bring a ball out and hundreds of impoverished kids in Haiti or in South Africa will come out and start playing because they want to play and have fun. The picture there of a child with a ball that is a bridge for us to that child with prayer and the Lord's blessing. And again, I say, you may not be into soccer at all, That's okay. What is it that you are, that you're into, that is your gifting, your talent, your passion, your thing, that from that thing you will reach out to people here or around the world? Soccer's one picture of that. We all just saw the band play. There's a need for musicians. We see all this occurring in our lives of what we have. We are his workmanship, and as his workmanship, God wants to use every single person in this room in some way. Who we are and what we are. So I wanna dig into scripture a little bit. Again, it's a simple message. A ball, a Bible, and a guy named Bob. And, and scripture, what is scripture? You know what scripture is, it's, it's the heart of God in written form for us to know the glorious creator and king of the universe. I want to encourage you how much you spend in the word is so critical. It says if you abide in my word, you will truly be disciples of mine and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And friends, I know busyness. I work for two ministries, I have five children. I'm busy. We still need to be in the word. It's what sets us free, and and I say that because in digging into God's word, I want to think about, about what we can be in him and what we can bring to other people, so let's look at the word briefly in Colossians chapters 1 and 2, okay? Take your Bibles and, and let's look at Colossians chapter 1 and 2, and I'm going to read a bit. Um, it's going to be a little lengthy only because of the fact that it, as we read it and as we look into it, um, it's it's doing two things at the same time. So, Colossians chapter one and Colossians chapter two, we see an interweaving of two themes. There's more than one, more than two, actually. But we see two things happening, where we see an interweaving of talking about the greatness and the preeminence of Christ, and also Paul's labor and his work. And we see these two themes being interwoven to bring us to a point in chapter two. So we're going to start in one, read a bit, go into chapter two. So let's open up our hearts to that. In verse 13, Paul introduces Christ after some greetings and the likes of that. And he says, for God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he's bringing Christ into the scene in Colossians chapter one. Then he starts talking about how full, complete Great, awesome, I can't think of enough words. You can make up some yourselves. Christ is. It says, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. You want to know who God is? Look to Christ. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities like we just sang about. All things have been created through him and they're created for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So Paul's saying it's all about Christ. He is everything. He is the representation and the image of the triune God God existent in eternity on the throne in heaven how we need to see who God is it's Christ in bodily form so he really exalts who Christ is and going on and talking about the relationship to the church in verse 18 I know I'm going quickly it's drawn to a point in chapter 2 Verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And he continues to talk about Christ. Then he starts bringing in his ministry. He talks about his ministry in verse 28. He says, and we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also, he says, I labor, striving according to his power which works mightily within me. Chapter two, verse one. I want you to know how great a struggle I have ever had on behalf of you and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So on the one hand we're talking about the greatness of Christ. Then Paul introduces his labor. And Paul says this to the people because he wants them to understand we are working hard. We're laboring, we're tired, we're striving. Not in a fleshly striving, which can be not at all productive, but in a biblical striving. Friends, ministry is sacrificial. Doing something for the kingdom requires risk. It's a little dangerous. it's exciting, okay? It's exciting. I went to ambassadors back in 2000. I thought I'd be there for a couple of years because at the same time I was planning a church. I've been there since for 19 years now. I never imagined that this ministry would take me to the farthest corners of the world. I never pictured that in my life. And, and when we put ourselves in a place where God can use us, it will take us to places that's a little bit scary. You're going to hold on for dear life, but you're going to see a sense of purpose and of reason and why you were created. Everybody here, everyone here, there's a purpose and a reason. It's to glorify God, but he pares down and gets specific on what you're to do specifically. This is what God wants. And as we look to him in that, and this is what Paul was talking about and paring down to. He was paring down to that. Talks a little further. He talks about the image of God. It Talks about the preeminence of God. And then we get down. I'm skipping over a little bit here. So right at verse 8 is where I want to take a little bit more time. A little bit more time. Colossians chapter two, verse eight. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Now what was happening was this. At the church at Colossae, there were Christians, but there was a lot of influence around them that was seeping into the church and having an effect. There were these ologies and these isms and these things that were part of Greek philosophy, part of Jewish tradition, part of a new movement that was kind of coming on a few decades later, the early seeds of what's called Gnosticism, not so important. But all of these things were affecting not just unbelievers, but affecting the church. These are children of God, saints of God, sons and daughters of the king who were hearing these things seep in. It was empty teaching. It's not unlike what Paul had to do when writing to the Galatians. Great book. He's writing to the Galatians, one set of cities there, because they were also having something like that happen where it was Jesus, but the Judaizers were saying, oh, you also need the law. To be right with God, yes, you need Christ, but you need the law as well. And Paul was adamant to communicate to them, no, 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 stop right here and now. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ only, Christ everything. It's all about Him, as you know, the way, the truth, and the life. And so Paul was speaking to the Galatians about that. he was saying very strong words to say, look, if anyone, if I or if an angel of God were to bring to you a gospel other than what I have given to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him just be, go away. He esteemed the gospel so high, the truth of salvation to have God be our father so much. That he said, even if I were to go back on what I've taught you, I should be cut off. Well, the same thing was going on in Colossae. These isms and these ologies were seeping in, and the people were beginning to think that they needed something more than Christ. And friends, this was the church. This was the body of Christ. And this is why God gives you pastors and elders to protect the church from teachings that can come in that can seep away what Christ has done for us. And we have to be cautious in our guard. And that doesn't mean we just shut everything down and question everything. We're not saying that. But we know we have an enemy that likes to plant seeds and bring confusion and doubt and fear and just take away the power that God wants us to have. He wants us to think we need something more. And that's a very dangerous thinking. We see this in the world. The world says, you need this money or sex or position or power or whatever. You need this. We get tempted with the idea that the grass is greener over there. And from the lack of being on that field, we lose contentment. We see Paul writing to the Philippians in a third book while in prison. And yet that book is called the book of joy. Where there's more references in that book uh, in terms of joy or rejoicing, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. There's more references in that book about joy from Paul than any other of his books. And yet he's in prison. He is being kept from following the dream that God put into his heart for a season, and yet he says, no, my imprisonment means a furtherance of the gospel. He had perspective. When we have the God perspective looking down on our circumstance, we can look at our circumstance and say, wait a minute, you're in control, God. I'm not just gonna wait for the grass to be greener on the other side. I'm not just going to look for that something else, and when that something else happens, then I'll be complete. Now, it's not like this couple here; they're looking forward to a nice summer. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to have a a you know a summer, as was mentioned. That's you know maybe a quiet summer, and yet God calls, and when He calls, you listen, and when you listen and follow, you may be tired, you may be exhausted. But in that greatness, you make a change to something that God wants to have is working in the lives of other people. Instead we get tempted. Church of God, don't do that. Don't allow yourselves to be tripped up to keep you from your pure devotion to Christ. I just don't think that's happening here. But be on guard, because we will look for those things. We were asked for those things. I mentioned in the first service, I wanna mention it again. I wanna quote from a song from the 1980s. This really typifies what can happen to us if we're not careful and really what has happened to several many believers along the way. This is a song in the mid 1980s that came out. It's called In Your Eyes. This typifies that idea of wanting more. It says, in your eyes, the light, the heat. In your eyes, I am complete. Your eyes, I see the doorway of a thousand churches. In your eyes, the end of all my fruitless searches. I want to be that complete. I want to touch and see the light I see in your eyes. Now, this was a man writing a song about utterly falling in love with this woman and just seeing himself being completely completed by that relationship. And to find out, the writer, multiple relationships And misery and sorrow communicated in other songs. And just a a sadness of brokenness and broken relationships after that that, that song. That's exactly what's in the world. And that's what we could be tempted with too. When we think that we need something else for us to have peace and joy. Friends, it's not that. It's not a bigger ministry for this guy. It's not that person over there. I said in the first service, I say it again. Might pertain to younger people a little more, but maybe not. And that is, guys and gals make horrible gods. There is only one God that will fill only that place in our hearts. And from that filling into our hearts, we then have a sense of completion. No man or woman or person or ministry or whatever it is will bring that sense of completion, that needing of something else which Paul is addressing here. So he says in verse 9, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. One statement, in Christ, all the fullness of who God is is in verse 9 and it's in Jesus. And then he brings verse 10. And verse 10, friends, is good news. Okay, verse 10, and in him you have been made complete. Different versions say it different ways. You have fullness, you have wholeness, you have whatever you want to call it. It's saying that in him we have it. The Greek here speaks about something that happens in the past one time. It's not something we have to develop to or work harder at or strive on a treadmill or perform more and more and more through the performance and from that we will then have this sense of completion it's in Christ right now for everybody here and that's great news because it's not an issue of your circumstance it's an issue of your God friends I've talked to too many people I've seen too many testimonies too many of of the brokenness of the body, which Jesus can heal, fine, but the brokenness of life, brokenness of the body, uh, uh, and and God just saying, no, it won't be in you having what's traditionally called a normal life that will show completeness, it will be what I do in you. There's a man, I, I did not bring him up in the first service You may have heard of him. Um, I always mess up his last name. His name is Nick or something close to that. He was born without arms and born without legs. He's one of the greatest speakers, one of the most content people. I, I can honestly say I probably looked at, if not hundreds, dozens of his pictures, and he's always smiling. He has a slight appendage at the bottom of his torso. It's a little bit of a foot. And he uses that to be stable when he's placed upon a table. He talks about the bullying that he had in his life and the loneliness and the suicidal thoughts that he had being raised in a Christian home and how resolving that God made him this way, he can have contentment, he can have joy, he can have peace, he could be used of God In such ways that thousands upon thousands of people are watching him and flocking to him because of the fact that it's about what's happening in the heart, not in the circumstance. He didn't need more. And God's, you know, God, he's amazing, okay? Nick is married. Nick has natural children. Nick surfs. He scuba dives. I haven't done that kind of stuff. This is what I'm saying. He wrote a book, "Life Without Limits," and he uses the word "limit" as spelled "lim," limits. Without life, without limits, and it's the whole point of the idea that your circumstances do not dictate what you are in Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ, and because of that, we look and we see. We can have hope. We could be used, friends. I'm not sure if I mentioned this service. I've never played soccer. I work for a soccer ministry. It's been since 2000. I've never played. I'm just really excited about what happens in the ministry. I believe in what we're doing. I have my gifts. I have my weaknesses. You have your gifts and your weaknesses. What is your soccer ball? There's nobody in this room that can say, I don't have something. If you have five loaves and two fish, he'll break it. He'll use it. You may say, well, I don't have that outgoing personality, or you don't know my past. I don't. Jesus, by the blood, covers it. You see what I'm saying? If we're humble and if we're broken, there's always a place in the kingdom where I've seen murderers in prison be a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, to other murderers, because Christ got a hold of their hearts. Anyone, any place, Anywhere, what's your soccer ball? Yes, we're gonna have a camp, I'm excited about that. You get involved, we hope you can, but you have other things here. The need for musicians and the family day, and I, I'm not gonna to try to redo all your announcements. You have opportunity, get yourself in there. Well, I'm not ready, I'm not perfect enough, I'm not polished, you think the disciples were? You see Peter, James, and John bickering and fighting and trying to claim what place they're gonna be in the kingdom? I don't know. Jesus is, again, he's, he's, he, I won't say he's, he's crazy. In my mind, it's like, why in the world would you put that team together? I mean, he's Jesus. I can't say he's crazy, okay? But he put a team together that should ne- I would never have put this team together. But he knew what they were going to be. And he let the foolish things of the world to confound the wise so that by them, God gets the glory, they get used, and people get saved. That's what he does in the plan. And that's what he wants to do with you. What's your soccer ball? What's your gift? What's your weakness? Don't wait for the grass to get greener. It's never, ever, ever the answer. If you can get out of your circumstance, like Paul said to someone who was in slavery, do so, great, fine. But don't make that your idol and that only by that will I be happy or know joy or be used by God. That's not the kingdom. That's not God's word. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use you for guys like Bob. Bob. I'm gonna close with this story, and, and I thank you for hearing it out. We met Bob, um, actually my wife met Bob. My wife just became an occupational therapy assistant. Um, our kids are all older now, and we decided to go this route. And, and in her last few weeks of studies, uh, as she's doing a practicum, she met this guy named Bob. And Bob was about 48 years of age, his arm was in a sling, and he has aphasia, so he can't talk and get the words out in a way that he would like. Uh, he would stop at the end of a sentence and find the word, he knows it, he just can't get it out on his lips because of the strokes that he had. And Elizabeth, my wife, wonderful wife that she has caught that in her tenderness and God's blessing just kinda focused in and she helped him with this sling that was in pain that nobody else was able to, I don't know, connect up with or see whatever. Um, and, and that started a conversation which brought more conversations, which brought relationship, which brought relationship into our family. Now we haven't done everything right in ministry, but once in a while you do a few things better, and this is one that I am praising God for, because it touched our hearts. We started bringing him into our home, we started bringing him to our church. Elizabeth championed him, in terms of the issues of taxes and the issues of other medical help and whatever else can be done and respect and trust is being built. And, it, you know, it's just not, a, it was not a natural relationship. We're a homeschool family and this was a truck driver and he's been divorced and we push marriage and, you know, and you know what, who cares about the past? Because God, God is, sets us to the future. And so this wasn't something we would necessarily look down. We, we want a minister to any however God would. And he did here. And we became friends with him. He became friends with us. He started attending my church. He was involved. We, we in, interacted with him. But we weren't sure about his salvation. We got to have conversations with him. At one point, he started taking communion because he hadn't before then. And that gives us opportunity again. Bob, which actually he wanted to be called Robert. So Robert... I noticed you took communion. You've been taking it now. Tell us, what's about that? And he turns and looks at me and says, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And some things were happening in his life that we weren't aware of, but he had some other friends that afterwards we had talked with them. And he said, Yeah, ever since he found God, he needed to go to church and, and things along those lines like that. Four weeks ago, in God's sovereign, beautiful, sweet plan, he was found in his wheelchair and he entered into eternity. We had a year with him. Um, We weren't expecting a year with this guy. We fell in love with Robert. We laughed with him, we cried with him. Elizabeth really worked with him. We didn't know he was going to pass. God knew he was going to pass. God chose to bring us into his life for a year. We didn't know that was gonna happen. To be used by God is both a scary and wonderful thing. I'm nothing special. We're just people. We've got our mistakes, our sins, our brokenness, our errors. We're people trying to figure some of this stuff out. When we look to the word of God and see in Colossians 2.10 that we are made complete, we don't need to be pulpers. We don't need to be beggars. We just need to be what we are, saints. who, Yes, who have a history, but now God's changing and transforming us. And from that, there will be other Roberts in the world that we can affect. And we have no idea what God's plan is in terms of when it's time to say it's finished and the door's closed in eternity is now set into motion for this man. Robert probably may have had more effect on us than we had in Robert. And that's a good thing. We did the funeral, the memorial service, and by that, others came out of the woodwork. We got to know more about Robert, things we hadn't we had wondered about. We didn't know, and we had heard uh, just of his brokenness of the past and the divorce, and and living in in foster homes and in a boy's home, and and just just this mess of life. And at one point, he was committed to the Lord, as we understand it. But life and its circumstances pulled him away. What did God do? Give him another opportunity. This is the nature of our God. And he looks to use us. Whether it's a ball or a wheelchair. Whether it's with legs or without. This is the goodness of God. We are complete. Brothers and sisters, right now, God's word says you are complete. It's as much as if you are saved, you are complete. What happens is our brain has to catch up to that. Amen? When he declares it, our brain can catch up to that as we imbibe in the word of God and soak it in and drink it in and get to know it and and make that decision to do so. From that, we can know that completeness, begin to continue to move on a process of wherever we are at, whether we're just starting to get stable, whether we've been at this in full maturity for many, many years, and yet we know there's more out there like us. This is the message. God fixes us, and from that, we go and fix others. And this is what he wants in our lives. In my prayer, yes, through a soccer camp, yes, through Youth for Christ, Yes, do whatever you are. Don't let the enemy or your own self-doubts say to you, I'm just not like that guy. I'm just not like this leader or that woman or that person. Don't let the, 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 the enemy bring you down because you don't look like you did when you were younger you don't look like that, that that model or just all this foolishness. And you may see, say, seem like it's like, you know, that's just, what does that mean? It simply means... You take your loaves and your fish, you give them to God. Whatever I am, I'll use for you. If God can use Johnny Erickson, and if God can use Nick Vietrich, He can use every person in this room because right now, you are all complete in Christ if you're in Christ. And this is what God wants He'll use anything, and we give Him the glory on that. So, what's your Bob? Who's your Bob? Excuse me. What's your ball? And will you use the word of God to get there? This is what's most important. God will provide for our camp. It's much bigger than that. It's Gateway, it's this community, it's Winnipeg, it's all of it. And it's around the world.